if they were transparent, we could all go investigate it. We could find whether there was fraud or not. If there's no fraud, we'd tell everybody, no fraud. But they're hiding it. That does not increase our confidence in, in the election. That decreases our confidence. It fuels all these conspiracy theories. Hello, I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and today I'm joined by Dr. Doug G. Frank. He is a world-renowned physicist with 60 peer-reviewed scientific publications, including cover and feature articles in the world's leading scientific journals. His PhD is in service, electroanalytical, Dr. Frank helped me pronounce that word, chemistry, which combines chemistry and physics techniques for the manipulation and analysis of molecules on surfaces. He left academics in 1996 and has since done extensive consulting, inventing, and technical manufacturing, building electron microscopes, laser scanners, and precision manufacturing and control devices. He is internationally known for his contributions to the bowling ball industry, and helped to establish a special school for extraordinary gifting youngsters near Cincinnati with Charles Xavier. That is not true, that last part, where he currently serves <laughs> as the math and science department chair. Recently, Dr. Frank was featured in two of Mike Lindell's documentary, Scientific Proof and Absolute Interference, because he discovered a little known secret, and that is several of the algorithms being employed to manipulate our elections. Dr. Frank has been working with dozens of teams across the country for election reform. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank, for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you did pretty well on that. I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed, actually. <laughs> well, considering I was educated in public schools in Alabama, you're lucky that I didn't have to have you tone down the entire thing and run it again. Uh, so often, when I bring experts like you on, uh, I try to lean on them to break things down so it's sure. simple and elementary to understand for our uh, watchers and our viewers and our readers. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Welcome to the program. It's it's good to be here. You know, I I one of my specialties is taking something complicated and making it simple. And I, I'm a teacher, so I like doing that. And, you know, if you notice something in common about all those techniques you mentioned, there's scanners and microscopes and things. What's in common about all those techniques <clears throat> is you take massive amounts of data and you find a simple way to represent it with a picture. And that's exactly what I've been doing with elections. I've been taking massive amounts of data from all the states and condensing it down and trying to find ways of explaining it simply to people so that they can understand how our elections are being stolen. You know, it's, it's, I think everybody knew after November, something was wrong, something was wrong, but they didn't know exactly what it was. And since, since all this is controlled by computers and since I'm a computer programmer, it's natural for me to just kind of figure out what are the algorithms that they're using to steal the elections. And that's exactly what I figured out. And that's why Mr. Lindell brought me on board, uh, to help explain to people. Um, computers, you know, can do a lot of things and they can do a lot of things fast, but they're really stupid. They only do exactly what you tell them. And so that actually makes it pretty easy. Well, I say easy, easy for me. Easy to back figure out what it is they're doing, you know, cause they always do the same kind of thing. And so you can just, once you know what they're doing and what's been fun for me, well, fun 
I, I can go state to state. I can study one county and I can predict all the other counties in a state to just stupid accuracy. And, and that's what uh, the movie Scientific Proof is about that Mr. Lindell made about me. So that's, that's kind of what's going on there. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so as a conservative, uh, I watched the election returns come in across the country, as many people do. Uh, we saw unprecedented irregularities as Democrats and even Republicans use COVID as an excuse to do away with many of the uh, time-honored election integrity sure measures. Uh, no doubt Trump faced an uphill battle, uh, went up against the leftist media corporations, social media censorship, and the pandemic. Uh, it was not a fair fright. However, and it's, uh, as a newsman, I have to do this. Um, yeah, sure. How are Republicans supposed to tell the difference between uh, true election fraud? And if I can call it this, um, there is this cottage industry that has, you know, come up uh, around the nation, uh, making conservatives in many cases, at least in my opinion, feel better about the loss. Uh, in, in some cases, they've concocted some pretty outlandish tra uh, tales, uh, things that as evidence has come in has proven not to be sure. true. A lot of people got way out on a limb and buddy, that limb just got sawed right off. Yeah. Uh, and, and then in other places like in Georgia, uh, we're starting to see with the election camera footage coming in that there was yeah. ballot harvesting. Uh, it, it, there's so it appears and that's being investigated. Yeah. Uh, but I have a hard time uh, on this issue. Unlock school choice, unlock illegal immigration, unlike, um, you know, uh, wasteful spending. I have a hard time differentiating between what is accurate and what is what is conjecture so help our our readers and watchers understand what's real what's inflated and what's been swept under the rug that was brilliantly uh stated so if you go back in history just a little bit um the same steal that took place in 2020 was in place to take place in 2016 okay and but something interfered with the computer algorithms. And I know what that was, okay? In other words, the reason that Trump won in 2016 was because we were able to defeat, a small team of hackers was able to defeat the hack, okay? And it's one of the reasons why Hillary was unwilling to concede because she knew she was supposed to win. Now, I want you to remember something. As soon as Trump was elected in 2016, one of the first things he did is he appointed Pence to head an election um, integrity commission to go back and fix it because he knew darn well what had happened. Everybody knew what had happened. It was being hacked like crazy, the election was. And if you remember in 2018 and 2019, the, the Democrats were testifying before the federal Congress, all the ways the machines were vulnerable and hackable, et cetera, et cetera. So this isn't a Republican Democrat issue. This is a known issue. And you remember in 2018 also, Trump, filed an executive order where he said, if you can prove foreign interference in the election, you can overturn it. In other words, this is not a new issue. We've known it. We knew it happened in 2016. Every, every, both sides agree. There's a beautiful article in my talks. I, I always reference this article. I show a picture of the article from Scientific American, which leans way left. And it was explaining all the ways that our machines are hackable. I mean, it's, they were saying 2020 is going to be a hacker's chaos, a hacker's paradise. Well, they were right. So in other words, we knew that there was going to be lots of funny business going on in 2020 ahead of time. And because we knew there was going to be a lot going on, a lot of white hat hackers were out there hacking away during the election. And they were recording a lot of the election activity. And I've seen a lot of that activity that's been recorded. And it proves that 96% of our counties were hacked 
during the election. I mean, it's not, it's not a question. It's not a hypothesis. It's not me dreaming about something. The evidence is solid. The question is, is what were those, what were those algorithms doing when they were in there? And that's where I came in. Because once, once, once you know they're going in and hacking in, then the question is, is what are they doing once they're hacked in? It's been pretty fun. Uh, in the recent months, Mike Lindell and I have been flying around visiting secretaries of states and attorneys generals. And we explain to them how their elections are hacked. We show them, we lay it all out. And then the, uh, some of them will say, well, gee, Dr. Frank, you know, there's no way you can hack into our elections. And I say, well, why is that? And they say, well, because we're, all of our machines are on an internally secure network. <laughs> and I'm like, they're not supposed to be connected to the internet. And they say, oh yeah, they're not connected to the internet. They're on an internally secure network. So then we give them lists of all their usernames and passwords for the whole state. We show them that we have all the passwords. They're absolutely hackable because we have all the passwords and usernames. And then they say, well, that doesn't prove anything, Dr. Frank. You know, those are available on the dark web. And I just, I just feel like, are you not listening to what you're saying? You're admitting to the world that you know that your machines are online, that they're being hacked during the election. So that's like one whole side of it. And so the question people always ask me is, well, gee, Dr. Frank, if, if they were able to stop it, if the hackers were able to stop the steal in 2016, how come they weren't able to stop it in 2020? Well, and the answer is because they learned, you know, the bad guys learned the lesson in 2016. And if you remember on election night, November 3rd, 2020, suddenly the, all the elections stopped at about 11 o'clock at night. Well, why? Well, because our white hat hackers were doing their job again. So they had to unplug the election systems from the internet so that they, because they couldn't reset them online because our hackers were doing their job, our good guys. It's not my hackers, it's just, I've met some of these guys. They had to unplug the machines, reset them, replug them, and then that, that's the only way they could have kept the steel. So that's, you know, that's not a hypothesis. You can see it right in the data. You know, you, we've seen tons of graphs where you see it goes along, goes along, goes along, 11 o'clock, suddenly there's a big jump. That's because they had to reset the machines. So I'm not making this up. But anyway, that's, that's kind of a, an overview of what's going on. The, the problem with stealing an election with, with the machines is that afterwards, you could simply count the ballots and it wouldn't agree. So in other words, a, a recount would fix that, would catch that if you merely stole the election with the machines. So what people don't understand is that the main hack of the election, the main steal is not using the machines. The main hack is ballot stuffing, but the machines tell you where you stand. And let me just give you a simple example of this. Most people don't think about this. Let's say that you order an absentee ballot or you order a mail-in ballot. Well, the county mails you that ballot in the mail and then you fill it out and you return it. What you don't think about is the fact that the United States Postal Service scans every single letter and they sell that information. So in other words, all you'd have to do is have a subscription to the United States Postal Service, their service, and you would know everybody who had who a ballot had been sent to, and you would know whether or not they returned it or not. Now think about this. If Brandon Lewis ordered a ballot, I pretty much know how you're gonna vote, <laughs> okay? So 
If, in other words, if I know you ordered a ballot and it was sent to you, you know, and how would I know? Just if all I had was the information from the Postal Service and it, I noticed that a ballot had been mailed to you and it hadn't been returned, I would figure, huh, maybe I could put in a ballot for Brandon Liss, except that he's a pretty reliable voter. So I'm not going to submit a ballot for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume he's going to turn in as an at the last minute because I've got a copy of the voting records and I can see that Brandon Lewis is a very consistent voter over time. See what I'm talking about? So I can write computer algorithms to predict who's gonna vote, who's not gonna vote, who's more likely, who's less likely. And just with the United States Postal Service, I can know which ballots to stuff and which one's not. But that's just one service. What if I told you that I had access to the complete state voter rolls and I knew every voter in the state and I knew every voter who had even ordered a ballot even before it had been sent out. And that's not a mystery, by the way. And that's not a speculation. That's a fact. Those are subscription services you can buy. Just ask any politician for running for office and they'll tell you they know who's voted and who's not voted. They pay for that service, the states provide it. So now, not only do I know based upon the postal service who's ordered and returned a ballot, I also know based upon the service provided by the state who's ordered a ballot, who's returned a ballot, who's returned in person, who's not returned in person, et cetera. You see where I'm going? In other words, all these little bits of information, and I'm just giving you two, but there are more, are all available if you have good access to the internet and you have good uh, uh, software controlling it. And even if you don't propose anything more nefarious than what I've just described, it would tell you how to stuff ballots. So what happens during the election is before the election, they allow the registration rolls to inflate. And that's not just me noticing it. You'll notice that Judicial Watch published an article in October of 2020 showing something like 350 counties in the country had more people registered than they had people. So that's not a hypothesis either. That's a fact. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you facts versus hypotheses because you were trying to separate fact from fiction. So there are many counties with, and there's some states, there are seven states that actually have the whole state has more people registered than they have people. Duh. Okay. So you, you allow the registration rolls to inflate. That gives you a credit line of, of phantom ballots that you can put in. But you need to know who to assign those ballots to. So that's why you need the feedback from the machines and the feedback from the county systems and the feedback from the election systems. So that's why you were talking about Georgia, for example. That's how they knew how many ballots to stuff, because they know exactly where they stand because they're monitoring all that information. Well, so, talk to me about, if you would, so Arizona went through a very large audit. Now, I'm not it, an election integrity expert. No worries. Um, they went through an audit. Everyone you know, was just uh, hoping that something would, would be shown, did not seem to be that there was, there was much there, or, or maybe the audit was faulty. I don't know. This is not my area of expertise. Um, and then additionally, you know, you've got legislators uh, like ours in Tennessee that are pretty staunchly conservative uh, in other states that that probably want to get to the bottom of this. Why yeah. haven't we seen more technological or physical evidence? I mean, we've seen some things recently that would that would raise some concerns, especially with what you mentioned with uh, ballot harvesting in Georgia. Yeah, but yeah. where's the smoking gun? Where's the I mean, if, if it's if it's that widely known, if there's many people talking about it as there are, yeah. why haven't we found more? Well, let me answer your question with a simple analogy that Mike Lindell uses. He makes pillows. And he says, if people accused him of having rocks and knives in his pillows, he would just open them up and show you the patented fill. 
he's funny. Uh, well, it's if we suspect something's wrong with our elections, why don't we just go to our election officials and say, hey, show us the inside of the pillow. But in particular, Tennessee is stingy with their data. They don't show you. So the first thing is, is if there was nothing to hide, why are they hiding the data? Your state hides the data from your citizens. If I were a citizen there, I'd be raising holy heck. And for example, in Ohio, they, the, the roles, they'll give you the roles if you ask for them. Tennessee, they won't do it. They fight like crazy. They won't give you the roles. Why are they doing that? Why are they hiding it from you? So that, that's the, the first thing when you say, why isn't there more evidence? Well, one of the reasons is they're hiding it. And they shouldn't. It should be a transparent pro process. Our elections belong to us, we the people. We should be able to, to police them and audit them. But your state in particular is, is one of the ones that's hiding the data. So that's sort of an answer, a partial answer to your question. Why aren't we finding more? We're, it's an uphill battle in most states to get the evidence. They brought up Maricopa. I like to uh, use another metaphor. When you're, when you're counting the cash in a register, it doesn't matter how many times you count the cash in the register. What matters is how many of the bills are counterfeit. In the case of Maricopa, they had something like 2.1 million ballots and the recount came out about the same. It was within like 400 votes, which is perfectly fine. What it means is, what, what the problem is, is you need to know which of those ballots were real and which ones were not. And if you'll recall during the audit, during the Maricopa audit, they discovered 50 of the boxes containing ballots, the seals were broken. So in other words, it's just, there's a chain of custody issue. And if you'll remember Doug Logan's report on the final day, he made a recommendation to the state that in the future they should use non-counterfeitable ballots because they discovered during their audit that there were at least nine or 10 different kinds of paper being used in the election. And so there's no way to know which of the ballots were real or not. And, and interestingly, I was asked to peer review the strategy before they did the uh, Maricopa audit, because I was becoming known at that point as somebody who's trustworthy scientist, good at scientific method. And I analyzed their, their methodology and I was really disappointed. I didn't think that, their, that the uh, audit of the paper was gonna yield any substantial results. I was hopeful that they would, but the problem is there's no controls. If you have no controls coming in, you can't have controls coming out. If you've got dozen different papers going in, how are you gonna know which ones are the real ballots coming out? And, and just in the county of Maricopa, for example, they used 49 different printing companies. <laughs> you know, you're done. There's too many, too, too many lack of controls in that election to expect to be able to figure out later. Now, some people might say, well, yeah, but we can tell whether a ballot was filled out by a computer or that it was filled out by a person. Okay, well, so what? There are a lot of people who vote with computer assisted voting and it produces a printed ballot that gets scanned later. So there, there's just all these, all these lack of controls in that audit. So, uh, so in that sense, I don't think the paper part of the audit was that powerful. There's still some good circumstantial evidence, but the, the fact that the chain of custody was broken, that's all, that's all you needed. That's a, legally, since the chain of custody was broken on 50 of the boxes, that's a huge issue. Also, if you recall, we have forensic images of a lot of the machines. That means they were able to capture what was on the disk. And I've spoken to the people that are analyzing those. And it's just full. It's funny because if you remember, 
the uh, state officials in uh, Arizona swore up and down those machines had never been on the internet, never been on the internet. Yet, when we got the unallocated space, it's called, you remember Ben Cotton, I was talking about how he analyzed the deleted portions of the disk were full of computer logs of being on the internet. So it set, they swore up and down they'd never been on the internet, tons of evidence they had been. Also, like I mentioned with the, uh, with the um, Mr. Lindell's pillow example, they wouldn't give us access to the routers. The routers would have showed, would have confirmed that our recordings of the hacking going on were through those routers, which they didn't give us. See, the whole point is, if they were transparent, we could all go investigate it. We could find whether there was fraud or not. If there's no fraud, we'd tell everybody, no fraud. But they're hiding it. That does not increase our confidence. In, in the election that decreases our confidence. It fuels all these conspiracy theories. It fuels all this hopium that's going around. As you point out, there's a cottage industry of people that are going around making up stories that are not real. And you know, I, I have to deal with that all the time too. And it's, it's frustrating to me because I'm a scientist. I follow the data. I use the data to make my conclusions. And it's, it's frustrating to hear all these kind of outlandish theories. So a couple of things as it relates to election integrity, you know, what have you been working on the last few months? You um, talked about you and Mr. Din Lindell going around and seeing secretaries of state. Yep. Uh, number, what have you been doing uh, succinctly? Because we're running up on a break. And okay. then also, uh, what do you see coming of it? Well, the reasons we are traveling around the country is because Mr. Lindell has hired teams of attorneys to write lawsuits. There are several lawsuits in the works. Some go to the Supreme Court, some go to states, some go to companies around the country, and he's getting people to sign on to the lawsuits. So we'll go to an attorney general and we'll show them that, that their, how their rights were violated by other states. And so here's a lawsuit they can sign on to, to, uh, to do that. Now, now, the objective of that is not to put Trump back in office. The objective of that is to get them to recognize that their elections have been corrupted, that they need to decertify their elections. What they do after that, it's up to them. I mean, I, I'm a states' rights guy. I think that each state should decide how to do their own elections. The last thing I want is to federalize our elections. So I want, I want our states to decide what to do. But first, we've proven to them that their elections are being stolen, that, they're, that they need to decertify them. That's the first step. That's my first goal. So that's really what I've been working on. The next thing is then, what does the state do when they realize that all the machines are no good? that all their machines are hackable, that all their machines basically give the election away to a bunch of computer hackers. We don't want our elections decided by who has the better team of hackers every year. We want our elections decided by you and me and how we vote. And I don't mind losing. I just want to lose fair and square. So what do you do? Well, there's another big lawsuit coming out now, um, if, if coming out in the next several weeks, where we're going to be um, addressing that, giving counties away to get out of their contracts with the um, election machine companies. And because we want them to all go back to paper. Uh, and also Mr. Lindell has a new system he's proposed that he's gonna pay for it with his own money and just give to people so that they can have a, a better system. But anyway, so that's kind of what's in the works right now. That's people should watch for that. Um, things have been taking longer than we had hoped this last year. If you remember, Mr. Lindell uh, was saying, oh yeah, we're gonna have a Supreme Court case before Thanksgiving. Well, we ran into ob some obstacles with that. And my favorite, one of my favorite sayings from last year is no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. So no matter how good of a plan you put together, 
the enemy comes and fights and so it's you know it's a constant struggle back and forth um but the fight is still strong and there's a real fight going on with real patriots uh, not a bunch of conspiracy theorists if you go to tennesseeconservativenews.com and if you uh, click that red support button, we'll send you two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers. I actually saw some of these going down the road the other day. I see them more frequently now than I ever have before. And I actually stopped in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and talked to a gentleman and said, I appreciate you reading my publication. My wife thought I was crazy, uh, but that has not changed. That has not changed. And if you get $50 or more or a recurring donation, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler and uh, if you put in bad liberal CRT ideology in here, and if you shake it up and you pour it out, you can actually teach kids to read and write, which we apparently can't do in the volunteer state because only uh, one-fourth uh, of them are reading at grade level. But we got plenty of time to focus on CRT, and our kids that are graduating can't get jobs and they're covered up in debt. But we need to be doing that in our universities at your taxpayer expense. But if you put their curriculum in here and shook it up and poured it out, the kids might actually learn something because this has magical properties. It is uh, hewn from uh, some remnants of the metal left over from the sword Excalibur. Uh, these claims cannot be substantiated, nor are they approved <clears throat> by the Food and Drug Administration. All right, right back to the... Oh, we also send you this directory. I forgot to tell you that. Of all your state reps and uh, state senators, and we're going through some midterms, um, and we're going through some primaries... Uh, here before too long in our state and maybe some of these names will change Maybe we can get some of the rhinos off this list and put some constitutional conservatives in there And that would be my hope. So I believe in open dialogue. I hate censorship I believe people should be able to bring on their own viewpoints and I let our readers decide I, I don't censor things. I don't curate things. I let people give their opinions I let our readers decide uh, you're coming to the volunteer state very soon to make your case in a, probably a more extensive uh, manner with more data and proof. So can you tell me about this event and why conservatives should consider attending? Yeah, it's going to be in Murfreesboro on the 22nd. It's in the afternoon. And I am invited to a lot of events. I've probably done 100 events in the last six months. And what my typical strategy is, is I'll come in and I'll show them the whole United States so that they can kind of see how they fit in. Uh, relative to other states uh, in terms of their fraud. And then I'll focus on a few counties and I'll show them how I can predict all around their state uh, what's going on. And I shouldn't be able to do that. The fact that I can do it, in other words, is evidence that there are algorithms controlling their election. But then I show them their own data. So for example, in uh, Tennessee, here, I, before our interview, I looked this up. You've got 83% of your people registered. And that's if you were just to go door to door and knock on people's door and say, hey, are you registered? Are you registered? Are you registered? You would get something like 60 to 70 percent. And so just like around the country, you're about 10 percent high or more inflated. And sure enough, if, if you were to clean up your voter rolls, you would notice you've got a lot of people on there that don't belong there who are voting. So that's a problem. And, and then your turnout is about 57 percent. Normally, if I heard a turnout was 57%, I'd say, hey, no problem. That's, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty normal election, except that's 57% of an inflated registration database. See the problem? So you've got too high of a turnout um, uh, as well for uh, a real election, which means it's supporting. It's, uh, I agree that that right there, that is circumstantial evidence of, of ballot stuffing. But, and this is why it's so important, and this is why I travel around the country. Once I show people these data and I show them how, how the elections are being stolen, I, I walk through each step of the process. Then I 
work with their boots on the ground, their canvassers, their local canvassers. And I help them get walk lists so that they can go out and do canvassing and you find people. You know, imagine you knock on somebody's door and, and, and John and Mary Smith live there. And they say, hey, John and Mary Smith, we're out here with the Election Integrity Committee and we just wanted to follow up after the election. Did you, are you registered to vote? Yes, yes. Did you vote in person? Did you vote by mail? You know, you're just asking really polite questions, nothing aggressive. You don't ask them how they voted, just whether they voted or not. And then, then they'll, and then, you know, usually the John and Mary Smith will say, why are you asking us all these questions? And then you turn your clipboard around, you say, well, see, it says right here that there's six people registered to vote at your house and four of them voted but only you and mama live here. So that's a problem, right? You've got two phantom voters who are committing, submitting ballots. So the reason why that's so important is because right at that moment, John and Mary Smith realize that fraud is being taken place from their household and they tell everybody in their neighborhood. So this ends up being, this canvassing we're doing ends up being evangelism. We end up teaching everybody in the communities how their elections are being stolen. And Restoration just, put a poll out a couple of weeks ago where they showed this over 60% of the people now in the United States believe that the 2020 election outcome was fraudulent. So we're winning. It's it, People didn't know, people knew something was wrong with the election when it happened, but they didn't know what was happening. So they didn't know quite how to think. But now people are catching on to the fact that it was fraudulent. They know it was fraudulent. What we're going to do about it, I don't know, we'll have to decide as a country. But I'm, I'm trying to help help people, first of all, just know what happened to them. So I'm going to be explaining that in Tennessee. I'm going to show everybody what happened, and then I'm going to be motivating the troops and, and connecting the troops. I try to connect the dots, I like to say. I'll connect them to all the resources they need so that they can start their canvassing efforts. And they've already got some pretty good groups down there. So it'll. I'm kind of a motivator. Um, and plus, I like hugging all the patriots. I'm a super spreader. Very good. Well, Dr. Frank, I hope that uh, folks come see you in Murfreesboro uh, and you can lay out your case and they can make up their minds uh, because we we have uh, election integrity, something that's very important to our subscribers and uh, anything we can do to bring attention to it, to make sure that our um, our elections are valid. Uh, we certainly need to do. Thank you so much for your time and I appreciate you being on the program, bud. A delight. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative. If you're interested in this event, you can check out the link below this video. Until next time, I'm signing off.